This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. This episode hasn't even started, and I am all ready laughing. Mark Groves is so freaking funny, and I swear I need this episode after the last week. We've had so much excitement in our household, so many awesome things happening between Halloween and friends come stay with us this weekend, which was a total blast. Also, always like a bit chaotic, and the kids were up last night with the time change until forever. I don't even understand what happens. Like, Shouldn't they be going to bed earlier? But really, they went to bed so much later. Anyways, I'm so excited to dive into this episode and to talk to Mark all about relationships. Oh yeah, something really important I almost forgot to mention that happened last week. We launched our collaboration with Caitlin Bristow and the team at Do, and you can now get the most beautiful little package that is called the Do Take a Moment Package. We designed and created it to help remind you to take that moment for yourself. It comes with three scrunchies, you get the sage peppermint halo oil, and you get access to the raw meditations for self-love, which include four meditations from Michelle, Cambolis, and I. All of this comes in the cutest little package. You can get it over at rawbeautyco backslash shop. Caitlin has the most amazing fans. They've almost grabbed all of them at this point, but there are still a few left. So grab them before they're gone. You don't want to miss out on this one. It's such a, such a beautiful little package. Okay, okay, enough about that. I am here today with Mark Groves, who is a human connection specialist. We're going to get into what exactly that is, and a speaker whose purpose is to help individuals and companies step into their most authentic, effective, and loving selves by way of his bold no BS relationship guidance. Now, I was kind of getting ready for the interview, and I've followed Mark for a long time. His Instagram page is on fire with incredible advice and wisdom and insight for anybody who is in a relationship, which is all of us. I'm not just talking about like that partner relationship. We're all in relationship with tons of people in our lives. And oh my gosh, your breakdowns of the show The Bachelor had me like in tears because (laughs) I thought, okay, this guy is going to be just like no judgment. So no, lots of judgment. (laughs) There's so much judgment. He's just like throwing fire at people. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Anyways, you have to go check it out. If you want a good laugh, it's, it's awesome. Anyways, Mark brings really complex academic concepts and research to life in fun ways like I was just talking about, which I think is what attracts so many people to you. And I'm so excited to have you here today to really dive into one of the most fundamental aspects of our human existence, which is relationships. I sent this to you in an email saying I could literally sit and talk to you about this for days, hours, years, 
But as always, I really want to make sure that we drive home a couple of the concepts and that everyone listening leaves with some tools that they can use. So in this episode, and not to be too bold, but like I really would love to have you back again at some other point. Let's be bold. Let's be bold. (laughs) I'm just going to put it out there. If you're tuning in today, the focus is going to really be around the concept of welcoming love into your life, welcoming a relationship into your life, welcoming more love into your own life through friendships. And of course, we're going to sprinkle in a little bit of self-love because that's my main jam right there. So Mark, thank you so much for being here today. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. What a delicious intro, including some future manifestation of me returning. I like that. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So can we just go back to the very beginning of the intro when I mentioned that you are a human connection specialist? What is a human connection specialist? How did you get that title? (laughs) Well, one, I created it and then I get to decide what it is. I've seen it pop up on a few other people's things now and I'm like, well played, well played. I mean, I'm sure at some point someone was like, I'm a CEO. And everyone's like, that's a great idea. I'm going to be a CEO. So what do they say? Uh, Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Yeah. So when I was younger, I I did sales and I studied sales and how to manipulate behavior. I have still have these books somewhere. Books like How to Get Anyone to Do Anything and, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, How to Win Friends, Influence People, all those things. And on some level, you know, when you're in sales, I was working at Future Shop for people who don't know what that is because it's both older and Canadian. It would be like Best Buy. And there was a lot of tons of sales training and how to influence people. And then as I graduated from college, I went into pharmaceutical sales. And all that stuff just came really naturally to me. It was just more like I was enhancing, I guess, that superpower of communication. And then When I had a relationship and in my late 20s, I was 27, I really looked and I thought like, man, why am I so good at talking about everything but my feelings? Like that's not a skill set issue. That's There's something more going on there. And why have I sort of not been paying attention? You know, I grew up Catholic. So the story that Catholics are sold among many and among many religions, many cultures is you get married by 27, you know, you stay in love forever, you have kids and you die together hand in hand like a couple raisins. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, I really thought to myself when my, cause I was engaged, I was like, wait, a lot of relationships don't last. And even when people are together, they often don't even like each other. And I started to look at that. I I don't know why I hadn't noticed. I was kind of pissed because I thought, why has no one taught me this? Why has no one told me the truth? That's how it really felt. I was mad. And I I think in a lot of ways, I was just really sad and lost. I didn't really know who I was anymore and what mattered to me, which I think when you think something matters to you and then you lose it and then you go, why did I prioritize this so much? I really just thought like, I want to understand why relationships last, why they don't, why do some people make it? to that that point and still love each other and why do some people not and still stay together all these things were just my brain was like running on hyperdrive and being that my background was at that point was in pharmaceutical sales i used a lot of the sales stuff that i used were clinical trials so i got heavily trained in that area i knew a lot about reading them and understanding them the quality of them 
And so I started to study relationships and study the studies on relationships and read lots of books. And, you know, when I think about the idea of representing myself, let's say, as a relationship coach, that's not really what I do, you know, because when I think about it, it's, as you said in the intro, relationships, we are always in relationship. And that doesn't have to be romantic. The thing about romantic relationships is they're really just a magnifying glass to what we're bad at. You know, like we might have poor boundaries at work, but we'll have real shady boundaries in romantic relationships and and with family. So you just start to see this and human connection is just such a broad thing, but it is a skill set. And, you know, really when we begin to understand how we connect to other people, I mean, that that completely alters the quality of our life. And that's why it's so important to me to teach it, because as I was learning it, I'm like, wow. Why is no one just telling the truth free of religious influence, free of cultural influence, which is really a privilege. I I recognize that, that I can do that because I grew up in a home where when I did sort of want to rebel against the Catholic views, my parents weren't like, you're out of the family. They were like, yeah, we've kind of had these thoughts too. (laughs) So I was really lucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love how you say that it is a privilege in some capacity However, you also had to be comfortable being uncomfortable with the journey to uncovering your true beliefs and and what resonated for you and kind of stepping outside of that box that you were originally in. So it's that combination of privilege and then also you stepping into your power, I guess you could say. Well, it's, it's certainly a courageous space to step into going against everything you were taught. I think the transformation of every every single person requires often a betrayal of a system, a betrayal of a doctrine, a dogma, or many of them at the risk of losing oneself. And that's the cost. When you wake up to who you are, you have to get rid of what you are not and who you are not. And that usually means removing yourself or putting boundaries up with people who had former values and beliefs that you have woken up to not wanting anymore. And that's That's scary shit. I mean, honestly, everything that you just said in regards to the courage and strength that it takes in order to move out of that space that you were once in is often where people get stuck. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. So I know that there's people who are listening right now who are at that space in life where they might be feeling a little bit stuck or things feel stagnant and they're not sure how to move forward. So I want to start at the beginning of a relationship and I want to talk about that space where you're open to meeting somebody, where you're open to finding that partner, or you're maybe in a relationship and you're just open to feeling more love. Is there anything that a person can do to kind of prepare themselves to welcome that into their life and to set themselves up to really attract the right person into their life? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple really important things. One is get clear on what you actually want, not what you say you want when you want to match someone else's intention. Just be mindful of that. You know, I think that's often what we do is we, you know, someone says, I'm looking for friends with benefits. And we're like, I'm looking for that. But really, we're just saying that in order to get them so they will fall in love with us once we bang them into a romantic relationship, which never really works. FYI, if you're trying that strategy, one, because you're actually starting a relationship from a dishonest space. So really getting clear on what you truly want. And so, for example, I, I remember working with this woman and I said, well, do you want kids? And she said, if I found the right person, yeah. And I said, well, are you planning on not finding the right person? Like, this is what we do is we minimize our needs and expectations because we're afraid we won't be met. You know, no matter your belief system, we might say, like, we're afraid that the universe won't give it to me. Well, you're not even owning it. There's trepidation about declaring. So you got to declare. You got to declare and you got to stand in it and you got to own it. And with that comes like, let's, you know, I think one of the most powerful things you can do is just write out a list of what you want and be mindful of the things you put on the list. Because if you're like, oh, he has to be 6'2", make sure you put kindness on there because I promise you at the end of your life, you won't care if he's 6'2", you'll care if he's kind. So those are important things. I think the other, you know, there's often things we miss like connection. We miss saying things, putting on our list, things like mutual level of devotion, being chosen back, you know, like these sort of really important things, but we've been taught to really very often choose our partners from a biological evolutionary space, which is based on, you know, especially if it's talking in the heteronormative sense, women tend to choose partners who have both power and indicators of, of strength. And men tend to pick partners who have indications of youth and fertility. Those are evolutionary influences. So, Getting clear on your list, you write out your list and then you look at your list and you go, am I those things? So, for example, let's say we put on there honest communication, right? 
That I mm-hmm. think is probably on everyone's list. If it isn't, you might want to dab it on there. <laughs> Just FYI is an important one. So you put that on there. Well, okay, now you started dating and you want to talk to them about what's going on between you two. So instead, though, you don't. Well, on your list is honest communication. So now you're not meeting the standard that you are inviting. So this is how real we have to get with ourselves is whenever I get someone to write out a list of what they want and then look at their exes and then do sort of an audit of how their exes showed up or the person they're currently dating, often it'll be like 30 to 50% of their list. And don't get me wrong, like no one's ever going to stay at 100 If they are at 100, then you're probably not paying attention because, of course, they're going to do something that you don't love every once in a while. But I think if you're like fluctuating between 70 and 100, you're in a pretty normal relationship. But I see so many people who wake up to the reality that they've settled, which if you settle for someone else, you're really settling for yourself. You know, it's just there. That's the thing is they're always just the evidence of how you feel about you. And it's kind of like if you date people who have tons of red flags or are narcissists or whatever the language someone wants to use, you really have to look at why is their behavior something that you thought was okay? I think that's such a great question to ask is like, why are you a match for them? That's where you take responsibility. Dating, when you want to open your heart up again, you have to take hyper responsibility for who you are. The other thing that I think is really important is recognizing that when you declare these things, sure, you have to stay true to it, you know, because you're going to go dating and you're going to get someone who is not a full, they don't match your deal breakers. And then you're going to be like, yeah, but you know, like I bet if, <laughs> if we take like a year and a half to get to know each other, I mean, maybe, or maybe they'll change. Look, people are who they are when, when you find out who they are. Everyone has potential, but if you date someone's potential only, You're not dating them. You're dating who they could be and you give up your own. It's such an exchange. It's not a fair exchange either. I am just like already, I feel like there are so many bomb explosions going off, that bomb emoji brain going off um, (laughs) with the things that you were saying. And I'm just sitting here listening and of course, reflecting so much on my own past relationships and obviously my relationship with my husband. And it's all just so, so interesting. Also with friendships with girlfriends and, and all of that. So I think that One of the first takeaways that I want to highlight in this interview, and for anybody listening who hasn't done this, whether it's for a relationship you're welcoming into your life or current ones, is to take a moment, get that blank piece of paper out, and to write that list of what it is that you are looking for to really step into that and to own that list, which is really scary. I find a lot of, I don't find that that part scary. I love the dreaming part and the creating part. Mm -hmm. But with a lot of people that I work with who are my clients, that is a very scary step to put onto paper and to put out there into the universe what it is that they want can be very, very hard for people. Any tips or advice or thoughts on that? Why is it so difficult for people to say what they want? Well, a lot of people have, especially from the cultural, just the way we've socialized women, and this can be true for men too or anything in between, we have a hard time declaring what we need because, you know, if you look at what we've inherited in terms of relationship, we really inherited codependency. We taught women to give up 
their needs and their dreams in order to take care of a family and make sure when your husband gets home, you got a drink waiting for him, you know, like and dinner ready on the table. Well, that's not about you, right? Like there's, it's hard to declare needs and that's only one to two generations before us. So, you know, we inherit what we see. We inherit relational skills. Even if we don't think we do, we do. And the other side, I mean, like a man went to work often to a job he hated, worked 100 hours a week, and then retired and became a stranger in his own home when he finally was home. So relationship was about self-abandonment because that's what ensured survival, you know. And now we sort of pivoted far to selfishness. And I think there's a balance of being able to be in between the two where choosing something, actually choosing yourself, where it's not self-abandoning to be in a relationship. And Declaring of the needs is scary for people to stand in that truth and put their feet firm in the ground and say, I'm worthy of this thing. You have to believe you're worthy of something. Well, you won't believe you're worthy of something until you stand in the truth of it. So you don't get one without the other. They're symbiotic. You have to make the declaration and then you have to stand in the truth of the declaration. And that's where dating is such a powerful healing experience. Even when you're in a relationship, it doesn't matter how long it is. But if you sit down and you go, how are we really? like? Out of a scale of one to 10, where do you think we're at? And where do I think we're at? And why are those numbers the same? Or why are they different? And what would make us a 10? Those are all really scary conversations because all of it, including declaring what you want in a relationship, require taking responsibility for our lives. And that's scary because if I say I'm responsible for everything that is in my life, then I now have to feel the pain of everything I've chosen before that I have pretended not to be responsible for. Mm -hmm. And that's like shame train, you know? Like I think of it as like a Rolodex that just flips through my mind, like a, a film that just goes through of all the times I didn't show up, all the times I didn't choose well, all the times I hurt myself, all the times I hurt someone else. And you got to sit through that because in that is, although that feels like, you know, many people might call it like the dark night of the soul, the the point of awakening really is, is when we actually decide, hey, it's time. The other thing that is really important is understanding what beliefs get in the way of you choosing something. For example, yesterday, I had a post about declaring what you want and choosing your way towards it. And a woman said, yeah, well, that's all well and good. I've been working on myself, but there's no good men. Like we're not in a relationship. And I was like, listen, if we just took an audit right now, just tell me if you can think of all the people, you know, who have ever said, I can't find someone, there's no one out there. There's no good men. Do they tend to be in a relationship? No. (laughs) Do they tend to attract good men? No. Because their mind and we call this confirmation bias, unconsciously, you're going to seek to confirm what you know to be true. So the unconscious Mm -hmm. belief or conscious belief that there are no good men out there or no good women or all women want is money. That is really just a block to not get it because we're afraid that if we do, we'll get hurt by it. So it's just an unconscious way of protecting ourselves. Because I could tell you, I have sat down with men who have said, it's so hard to find a woman who's doing this work. And I've met women who say it's so hard to find men who do this work. And I'm like, you you should just sit in the same room, <laughs> but you won't find yourself there <laughs> because you you're too, no, you won't because you're too busy chasing that you'd rather be right. Because being right in that case means being safe. And I say, throw yourself, throw yourself, just make sure that you have boundaries. That's all, you know, <laughs> like that's the hard thing. If we inherited self-abandonment, 
And then the opposite, you think of it like the feminist revolution really taught don't depend on a man, right? Like I think that's a Mm -hmm. fairly safe version of that. And there could be many iterations. Don't depend on a man, don't need anyone. And that makes sense. That makes sense from what we witness and for people who have experienced. But in that is also don't need anyone is as a human, you do need to depend on people and you do need to need people, just not at the cost of yourself. For the most part, you could probably Mm -hmm. hold that space for a little bit. So if we're not teaching little boys and little girls and everything in between that caveat, you know, we witnessed, let's say our mom go through a divorce and lose everything and her suffer as a single parent. And now we never want to be like that. We never want to get to that place. Mm -hmm. So what people have gotten really good at, and I think I can speak to this having been my experience too, is... We experience losing ourselves in love, and then we experience being single and having our shit together. And then we get into a relationship and we're like, shit, I thought I had this figured out. You know, because what happens is, is when you're finally in relationship, it's all great to have boundaries when you're going to spin class and you got no other person to relate, you know, to navigate a schedule (laughs) with. But when all of a sudden you have to deal with other humans and their needs, do you lose you? How do you show up for yourself when you're in the face of rejection and abandonment? Because that's really when you know if you've done the work. When someone doesn't mm. text you back and it doesn't mean that it's <laughs> yeah. DEFCON 5, you know? There's a saying in psychology that if it's hysterical, it's historical. That's so good and so true. Right? So true. So, okay, I have one question that is a little off track of single, dumb, but it all falls in there at the same point. In this position that we're in right now in history, where as women, we are stepping into our power a little bit more, we are declaring what we want as individuals, we have the capacity to show up in the workforce and to be moms and to, quote unquote, do it all. And dads and and men are also shifting in their roles. And we're seeing more stay at home dads or more parents who are sharing responsibilities and partners who are sharing Mm -hmm. responsibilities. How do you maintain your sense of self in an environment of a relationship where it's also necessary to take into consideration another person's needs? And then especially when you add children into the mix, where now it's not just about you surviving as an individual or partnership, but there's actually people to take care of. And so you do, in, in a sense, lose a bit of yourself Mm-hmm. in that capacity. But is that okay? Like that's necessary in order for survival of a family. Yeah. I mean, that's often the response. If I write a post about choosing oneself is someone will be like, yeah, but you got to change diapers and you got to, and of course, like who wants to change <laughs> a shitty diaper? This is such a balance because of course, if we were to look and say, okay, if you have someone look at their life, And you go, okay, look for wherever you have resentment. Well, Mm -hmm. wherever you hold resentment means that you don't prioritize yourself in some way. And Mm. look, like we can look at, and I'm not a parent, so I want to preface this. And when I am one, you can send me messages and be like, see, told you so. And that'll be fine. But till then, Mm -hmm. this is my, uh, my thought. I know tons of parents I know I have lots of best friends with kids and I observe as they do this balance of self-care with support, right? Where they alternate or whatever, one needs to go to a workout at this time and the other one gets up early and all the things. 
or, you know, they have family and supports or friends, whatever. But they find a time, they make a time and they prioritize it. It's a non-negotiable. And so wherever you hold resentment, you need a boundary. That's just a hundred percent true. It, that's not like one of those mm. things that's like ninety nine percent. No, this is a hundred percent of the time. Mm. Because where resentment lives is because the other person or thing or child is evidence to us that something else is more important than us at the cost of us. So of course, like let's say for example, you and I are in a relationship. I know you're married, so no disrespect to that. But just for the mm -hmm. sake of the example, yeah. you and I are, are in a relationship and you're thinking about going to school in a different place and wanting to do a new program. And I want to move to a different place or stay where I am because of work. Mm -hmm. Well, there's going to be involved some form of compromise in order to get both of our needs met and both of our goals reached, right? So the yeah. negotiation of a boundary or a compromise is what feels good for both of us. And sometimes, sometimes it will require that people part. And that's hard for people to understand. Now, in the context of as soon as we put kids into the mix, then we have a whole other more complex thing, right? And the challenging thing when we talk about and throw kids into the dash of it is often people, when they have kids, we're not really in the quote unquote healthy place to have a child. Right. You know, often right. people have kids because they're afraid that the relationship is going to end. So then they get pregnant. You know, not speaking specifically to the woman, but mm. I've heard this many times where people are about to break up and then they're like, we should have a kid. And I'm like, no, 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 actually that back it up. <laughs> That's Please not the it. next. But this happens a lot or we make mistakes and we have, you know, because it's it's life and it's human. Yeah. But as soon as we recognize something, we need to shift because as humans, what we do is we often meet our needs with wants. So let's say, for example, I was feeling very insecure in a relationship. I might get engaged because I need security, right? but I, I don't know how to create it. So I create it through a want. I don't know where I fit in your life. I'm going to send you a Facebook relationship request. These ways that instead of having the hard conversations and really getting clear on what we want and need, we actually do it through meeting material, which would be like, let's say someone cheated on someone. Well, then all of a sudden they buy them a gift. I need yeah. to know that I'm safe and secure with you and we get a gift to feel like we're important. We see these things happening all of the time. So getting back to your original question, what about when the balance is other people? It's a dance. It's about learning mm -hmm. in your body. And if you don't know what a boundary is or you've never had boundaries, this is a really challenging thing. Often people don't even know what they value and what they need. And so you have to get clear on your values because... You can't build boundaries around something when you don't know what matters. A lot of people, especially women or anyone who grew up with like an alcoholic parent, anyone who grew up in a family where someone else took a lot of the attention or you had to be on eggshells around or the family pivoted around their needs, and it could be you, the person listening, what happens is, is everyone else in that family system doesn't get good at developing needs because the system pivots around one person. And so really our, our role becomes pivoting and, and helping others. So when we have to show up for ourselves, we, it's very foreign. And a good way to figure out what you value is to look at what you admire in someone else. So just think of someone you truly admire. And then that's a good way for the mind to figure out what you value because you want to emulate what they have. Mm -hmm. So it's a dance. It's a dance of reclamation 
and being open to saying, hey, I am cool with moving. And you keep checking in. You know, I actually now need to go on this trip to do this, or I need to work out and do spin a couple times a week so that I don't lose my mind as a mom. And the mm -hmm. other partner is saying, okay, cool. I need to go to the gym. How do we make this both happen for both of us? And you find a way. Yes. That's that open communication. I love what you said about checking in consistently, listening to your body and noticing when it's working and when it's no longer working. And then the big one there was that piece about resentment and that that actually being a red flag that a new boundary perhaps needs to be made, which is, I think, just so spot on because resentment, when we feel resentment, it really does feel as though someone has taken away our power. We feel along with resentment, often a hopelessness as if a control has been taken away and been given to somebody else. So and we've given it. We've given it. We That's have the given catch. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's like whenever I hear someone say like, how about when you give and someone just uses and uses, uses, I'm like, uh, how about when you <laughs> give and give and give and give? That's actually what's right. happening. It's just easy to make them the perpetrator. Right. Because giving is good is what we, we pretend that by giving, 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 we're the one who's who's in the right, that we're, we're doing the good thing and that we're the one who's being taken advantage of then. And it's a trap. It's a beautiful trap because automatically, if it's not appreciated, it creates covert contracts and expectations. If it's not appreciated, we'll sing a song that everyone else will sing who's also doing the same thing. That's why the victim is actually much more powerful. It seems like a powerless position, but it's just a covert way of manipulation. Think about that, anyone who's listening right now, is are there places in your life where you play the victim, where there's not enough time for you, where everybody else is ahead of you, where this is just what I have to do? And are there places where you play a victim role in your life where there's an actual opportunity to step into your strength, to step into your power again, and to step up to the plate ultimately. I can't believe I'm going to do this because it feels really early to be talking about the holidays, but I also find that they always seem to sneak up on me. So this year, I'm getting organized early so that by the time December rolls around, I can just enjoy the time with friends and family. I mean, that's what the holidays are really about, right? One beautiful gift idea is a tea bundle from David's Tea. You can pick a couple of their beautiful loose leaf tea blends and pair it with a mug for a gift of comfort and love. If you're not sure where to start, I'd recommend their Cream of Earl Grey, their Organic Chamomile, and Mother's Little Helper. All of these are beautiful blends. And of course, then my personal favorite, Sunny Sea, which is bursting with freshly squeezed orange. I'm making my list and I'm checking it off with David's Tea. And for a limited time, you can get 20% off everything in store and at davidstea.com when you use the code Raw Beauty 20. There really couldn't be a more beautiful gift to give someone, including your sweet self. So head on over to David's Tea and use the code Raw Beauty 20 for 20% off now. This code expires at the end of the week, so this is your last chance. Grab it before the holidays get here. Okay, let's get back to Mark. I want to loop back around to talk a little bit about 
okay, so now people have set the platform for what it is that they're looking for. They have, you know, maybe written their list of things that they're looking to attract. Maybe if they're in a relationship or they're examining past relationships, they're looking at how they've showed up and how they're presenting themselves in relationships. And now they want to meet those people. So the person who said, there's nobody out there has now, you know, had a mindset change. They're ready and willing. There's so many places for people to meet these days, whether it's in person or over dating apps or I don't know, on the bachelor or whatever it is. Do you have an opinion (laughs) of where people should go to meet like the quality people that they want to attract into their life? Yeah. I mean, you should go to places where someone, one, where you're seeking adventure and learning new things and, and putting yourself out there because that's the energy you want is like an energy of, of expansion and energy of curiosity. And you're not doing it to get someone. That's really important. Like I'm not strictly joining a rec volleyball team just so I can meet a dude or, or a woman, but we're joining it because adventure is important to us. We can still have the desire for relationship to be in the background. It's just that when it goes in with the intention, it feels dirty. It feels like it's manipulative, right? It's the same thing. It's contrived. It's just like if I go up to a woman in Starbucks and talk to her and my goal is to get her, I'm sure you can relate that that's a different energy. Mm -hmm. But if I go in with the intention in my body that I'm just going to allow whatever connection is supposed to be born of this moment, and it's not to get anything, it's but to just make that person's day a little brighter, if that's possible, then that's so different. I'm not attached to any outcomes. And so energetically, you have to just be paying attention to, are you attached to the outcome of what you're doing? Because what will happen is when you don't get it, you're going to be pissed. You're going to be frustrated and you're going to write on my Instagram and comment and say, but I'm not in a relationship and I'm doing all these things. And I'll be like, but you're missing the point. And so it's about going to places that are about adventure, go to cooking classes, go to different things. If you're going to use an app, that's great. But swipe with your brain, you know, like swipe with your truest intention. Don't be like, wow, that person's a couple red flags in there. Swipe right because, hey, who knows? He might change. You know, like, no. (laughs) It's so hard, though, with the dating apps. Like, I've never used the dating apps, but I've gone on with a friend to see what's going on. And it is, again, like it's. I don't want to take people out of their power by saying, you know, dating apps make it harder, but there is so much focus on what a person looks like. And it's just different than meeting somebody in person at that volleyball game or I don't know, wherever it is doing whatever. Or am I just making excuses for people again? (laughs) Well, I think it offers more opportunity. So, you know, because of online dating and dating apps, we have more diverse people dating each other, people who had never met, people from different cultures. I mean, it's really beautiful what it's created. It's also created like, hey, if I have a little bit of a challenge with this person, there's a ton of other people on my phone I could go swipe to. So I think it has caused a little bit of we often have this narrative like when I meet someone, they're just going to get me. And I'm like, no, like you're a complex human. I I wish you thought you were that simple, but let's be honest. And (laughs) (laughs) The beauty of them, and I think a simple way to understand that there is actually an art to them, is I could talk to two people who have totally different experiences of dating apps, but they use the same app. One person would say, everyone I meet on there doesn't want a relationship and they just want to bang. 
And the other person will say, I've met so many great men or women or whatever in between. And the difference is, is the one who's getting all the bangers. I don't know if that's a term, but let's just make it one. (laughs) It is now. That person doesn't get a different pool of people. So it shows you that whatever the one person who's having success is doing, and there, I think there is an art to a profile too. You can't be like taking a bunch of selfies in the mirror. I mean, come on, get someone <laughs> to take your picture. This is unbelievable. And so those are red flags too, though, you know, like shirtless mirror selfies, like swipe left. And that's a judgment. Yes, 100%. And <laughs> it's like, if someone's profile is all their bikini shots, like, come on. Here's the thing is like, okay, so there's, there's those two people and the one person who's having success identifies red flags that the other person misses. And so there's something that the yes. other person has been taught, which is probably not their fault, but it is their responsibility, that a red flag is okay and they are taught to miss them, that those are actually viable partners and they have similar values, which is important. What are your values and what- Or even attractive to some people. Oh, yeah. Like- There's that whole component of us being attracted to the things that aren't necessarily good for us. Oh, man. So, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that. But my point is, is if you're not responsible for what you choose and who you actually are, how you show up, you can't be like, I don't want anyone who does drugs. And then you snort a line of Coke off of it. I hear people do coke off toilet seats. That's an awful place. To, I don't, no. I've never even seen cocaine, but someone so said that. disturbing. But that's like oh. the level of responsibility. Like, who are you? How do you show up? Do the results you get in your yeah. relationship are this invitation to actually take radical responsibility for it? So dating and using an app is a tool. I could give you a, a hammer. You can build a house or you could kill someone. It's how you use it. Mm. Just like mm-hmm. with online dating. You know, as soon as someone has a flag, swipe left. The brain automatically has always been judgmental. We're just mad that it's magnified. Like walking down the street, when you're walking down the sidewalk and you're looking at people, you're putting them into categories of potential mate, potential enemy, acquaintance, or friend. You're already doing that before your brain even registers it. So when you're swiping left and right, it's just a magnifying glass to the level of superficiality that we have. But- In research, when you look at someone's Facebook profile or their Instagram or their dating profile, you can actually find with a pretty high level of accuracy their value system. And I say that's about learning to trust yourself again. That's about feeling in your body. A good way to figure out when a boundary is being crossed and to get back into your intuition is to, with a friend, walk towards each other and then express when your body feels like they're too close. And what you'll notice is they're usually past the place where you actually felt it. Mm. And that's a good way to get to know your body again. Do it with a a test with like a group of five people where you have an acquaintance, a friend, a romantic partner, and you'll notice your body will tell you when someone is moving closer and too far. And this is why dating can be so healing because if we grew up in a place where our father was an addict or our mom was erupted with anger, we learned to ignore red flags for the people we love. Right. That's why when chemistry, because people will say, but I'm attract, I'm not attracted to nice guys, right? For example, that's because the chemistry is drawing you to people that you need to learn to say no to, which is what a part of dating is, which is you're going to get tested, but you're also going to get healed. The test is the healing, which says, I will no longer stand for this shit. And that's when everything changes. Mm, but you got to go through You it. have to. You can't just like... 
get out of a relationship with an alcoholic and then expect not to be codependent. Your shit's going to be codependent on fire. You kidding me? You're going to be like, I. they're going to be someone, <laughs> oh yeah, but they've been sober six months. And like, there's always this little caveat and it's about really getting to know yourself. The person who dates the addict is addicted to the addict, you know? So it's just a different form of addiction. Mm. Before we head into the next section, uh, this is not a question I prepared you for, but are you able to give us some more Tinder Bumble red flags, please? Yeah. And I'm sorry if these <laughs> red flags trigger you, it's probably something to look into. That's all I'm going to say. If it pisses you off what I'm saying, just register that in your body. Fire me a message. I'm more than happy to receive it. But there's probably something to look into about yourself. So... One is definitely like over-sexualization that I think is just easy to notice with like shirtless selfies, lots of bikini pictures. You know, people who, and this isn't a judgment of value systems. This is just how humans work. People who really love themselves don't put themselves on display like that. Hmm. It's so counterintuitive to what you see and especially with social media and Instagram pics and you see these We'll just talk about the girls right now who are doing this in the bikini shots and and they look like the most confident girls out there. Now, I know this is not true because I work with those girls <laughs> and know I, what's going right? on behind the scenes. But it's very confusing to people who are looking and thinking like that is the most confident girl and she's so confident because her body looks like that, but it's not necessarily and usually is not the truth. Yeah, like I think, again, this all sounds like I'm like the judger of judgers. This is, let's add a little caveat in there that it's okay to show that you have fitness and that that's important to you. That's not what I'm saying. But the beside the pool with the bathing suit up the ass with some peace signs in the air, like, come on, you've probably never been to a peace rally throwing up peace signs like a machine, you know? I see this all the time. And I think it's an indicator when you just have to check in with yourself and you think, what is my intention for using this picture? Is it to be a thirst trap or is it to actually show that I have a value of something? Now, you could just show a picture of you at the gym, which now don't get me wrong. I just automatically think of the dude who's like taking a picture in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, my brain is like judgment city with those I'm like, just work out, relax, maybe be unplugged for a little bit. No, got to let the world know that I'm doing bench press right now. And of course, there's people <laughs> whose social medias are based on their fitness and their fitness brand. So this isn't a judgment of those things. It's purely about on a dating profile, is it overtly sexualized? If you're writing like not here for one night stands or something like that, I mean, I guess that's important to put there, but you're still going to get people trying to get them, you know? I think the I'm looking for a relationship, being clear about what you actually want and putting something funny. Funny is good in your profile. Having a picture of a dog does really well. That's true. With you and a dog, <laughs> with you and an animal. I'm not sure if a cat has the same thing, but definitely a dog. Now Mark has switched from red flags to telling you how to set up your bumble. Yeah, <laughs> these are all things that have been shown. You can Google it. There's research on it. But the red flags would definitely be that. I'd say anyone who's, if someone's saying I'm not looking for anything serious, that's not a red flag. That's just a serious declaration. Just don't try to get them to want something different. Like your job isn't to convince someone to want you. 
your job in dating is to choose somebody. You're not waiting to be chosen. That's such a different way of dating. You know, it's like when someone says, I like you, you're like, oh, I like you too. It's like, no, do you though? <laughs> or are you just waiting for someone to finally love you? Which is really in the, no, I actually don't like you back and that's okay. I want to touch on this piece of why we're attracted to the people that we know at some level consciously, or you know, you know, you know who is good for you and who is not. I know, I know, you know, but why are we still attracted to those guys that we know are not good for us? And I'll speak just very quickly on my past guy who was not good for me was always this like artistic type who was traveling and never in town and always with lots of girls. It would turn me into the worst version of myself, the most insecure, the most psycho Aaron that could possibly <laughs> be around. But when I look at my dating history before Scott, who is like the opposite in so many ways, that was who I was so attracted to. And the like heat and chemistry and passion was so intense, but they were never there. They were never truly available. And still, when I see that guy out there sometimes, mm -hmm. like I feel the attraction. I love my husband so much and I'm so committed. That's not what I'm talking about right now. But you're a human. You're allowed to be attracted to other people. Yeah. I mean, this is life, yeah. right? But why, why do we do that to ourselves? Did you have a parent who was like unavailable or a parent who was overwhelming? or like controlling or like any of those extremes? You know what? I did not, but that would be a good first place to look. I had these two parents who were both highly accessible and caring. And I mean, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really. I feel like there's something about the excitement and the aliveness that you feel in those relationships where I used to say, like, I love how alive I feel. Like, it's just like so passionate and then like so down. And I was almost addicted to those highs. Well, it becomes <laughs> an addiction. You know, this unavailability becomes an addiction. I think the first place to look for people is in childhood. The other side is to look for when they've been really hurt. So if they dated like their first partner or anything like that, where they experienced a lot of pain. Because mm -hmm. what ends up happening is it becomes a form of avoidance. So. If I'm dating people who are always out of town and not available, there's a number of things going on. Like, I get it. Musicians, bartenders, bouncers, they all have positions of power. When you look at a musician or an artist, they're creative. So there's something beautiful about the expression of their stuff, right? Because you sort of see their heart mm -hmm. yeah. in their work and in their music. But then at the same time, they're super avoidant and they don't know how to actually express that or be connected to it in an actual relationship with another person. So what's happening is, you know, I love the term like you're eroticizing your pain. So we like find sexy the thing that hurts us. And you can think about it is like where one of our survival strategies might be to become a perfectionist or to take care of someone, right? That's usually from childhood. But also what we can do as a way of numbing pain is being aroused. So we always love the excitement, but in that excitement and not being chosen is pain. Well, it's a drug mm. to be aroused, right? Like it's treatment too. So it becomes a form of masochism, really. It's like, I enjoy being hurt because I get aroused from it. It sort of plays in the same cycle, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. So what happens is, is we have to sit within our aloneness. I mean, we have to. Whenever we reach for anything, whether it's a drug, whether it's sugar, whether it's alcohol, whether it's our phone, whether it's arousal, right before we do that, we have a feeling. And that feeling, and this is in you know Buddhist teachings, this idea of refraining, refraining from reaching for the thing. And when you refrain from reaching for the thing, you feel it. You feel what it is that we avoid. And because whatever feeling we try to protect other people from feeling, it's usually a feeling we don't know how to sit in. So like, for example, I was with my friends and they have two boys that are four and two. And one of the boys was in his room and the mom said, uh, I need to go get him. And my friend said to his wife, are you getting him for you or for him? And I thought, hmm, it was like this, like <laughs> all these things connected together. And I was like, ah, so we try to protect our kids from feeling things we weren't comfortable sitting in because we still don't know how to sit in it. Yes. It's weird how it all sort of comes back together. But what's interesting is when we date people and are attracted to people who hurt us, we are putting ourselves in painful situations often as a way of never actually being chosen of never actually being loved because there is a belief underneath there that we're not worthy of it. And really unworthiness lives at the center of almost all of our experience. I would say that we all are raised in a world where unworthiness is just around us. You know, our religions and our cultures teach us that you need to behave this way and then you'll be loved. And if you don't, you go to hell or you won't be accepted by the family or the people around us. And the same is true of our marketing. You need to buy this car. You need to have this thing. So in that dating experiences, you're seeing that these men have power and they have status, maybe not money, because most artists are also connected to a story that they need to starve. So <laughs> they usually don't have money, but they have power and status. And they also have a fleeting nature to themselves that you know it will never get really that deep. And you can see people do yeah. this when they travel. And then they fall in love by accident because they're like, yeah, we're just in... Bali for a couple of weeks. I'm going to go. I saw Eat, Pray, Love, probably <laughs> heavier, whatever his name is, heavier Bardem might be there, but I won't fall in love because I got to go home in a week. And so they like love in this way that's so unrelenting with no boundaries and they're doing crazy sex moves. They're coming everywhere. They don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> and then they're in love because they forgot about all the things that they protect themselves with when there wasn't anything on the line. Mm-hmm. Whew, relationships. The best. It's complicated and so good and so good. It is this ground for growth and discovery. And when we show up, we start doing the work. It's as simple as that, as simple as difficult. The work is being done as soon as we start to show up. I have a lot of clients who say, speaking of which, I'm going to start dating once I've lost these 10 pounds. I'm going to start working on myself after I've paid the bills or once I finish university or when life looks like X, Y, Z. What's your perspective of this, both as a coach and as a, a man? I mean, those are all just ways of delaying vulnerability. They're ways of delaying putting ourselves out there. You know, the reason we hold the 10 pounds is because we're not actually stepping into our truth, that we're not believing we're worthy of it now, believing we're worthy of dating now. I'm going to do that when I get that job. I'm going to do that when I get that money. I'm going to do It's all just delay, delay, delay. Not to say that we can't want to reach a goal. Of course, goals are important. But if goals are holding you back from living, 
you know, then you know that you're using them as a wall. You know that you're using them as a block. You know, like, why not lose the 10 pounds on the way? Why not go to exercises classes and work on that? And then you meet them. The human experience is fascinating because we have so many blocks to love when really like if we were to just hit reset and forget all the things that we learn to protect ourselves from pain, because all the, the things that are quote unquote, I don't, I don't want to use this word, but I'm not sure of another one right now, dysfunctional in relationship are really just ways to protect ourselves from being hurt by relationship. You know, if we carry a lot of weight for a long time, it's usually a protective mechanism. It's generally a protective mechanism. We do this with so many different ways of like, I'm going to do it when. I mean, a lot of men's value is tied to their ability to provide. That role really hasn't shifted that much. A lot of men don't feel like they can be in a relationship till they make money. But in that is an inherent thing that needs to be healed. Just in that statement, just like in all of those statements is actually something that needs to be healed that has to do with the thing, but that's just the content. Below it is a belief about self. I'll be enough when. I'll be enough when. You're enough now. Now, if you were enough now, what would you do? And that's the question I always guide people to. If you want to believe like you're worthy of love, you have to act like you're worthy of love. You have to believe that you're worthy. Well, to believe that you're worthy, you have to make decisions that reinforce that you believe you're worthy. You know, self-love is not a destination. It's not when you lose 10 pounds. That's the evidence that I love myself. Well, if you're looking for evidence of things, you know, you're attached to the outcome rather than the process. And that's where the victory is. The victory is in the process. You're not going to lose 10 pounds to get the guy because what happens if you don't get the guy? Then you'll put the 10 pounds back on because you made a contract that it was mm. on the condition of. So self-worth really comes from just saying to myself right now in this moment, if I loved me, what would I do? What would I allow in my life? Who would I be? What decisions would I make? Would I stay in this job? Would I tell my partner I feel disconnected? If I loved me, if I honored me, if I drew a circle around who I am and I said, only goodness gets in and only goodness gets out, which doesn't mean people be like, but anger, I don't want to get it. anger can be goodness you know? And so really when we look at our lives and we go, okay, if I wanted to love me, how would I show up? And then you'll feel that way. But the leap is the choice that goes without an outcome, right? Like the leap is, is putting a boundary down where you never have, because in that is a new behavior in a new place, which is much like dating. If you do always the same things and you end up in the same relationships, then you just haven't made a different choice. It's like if I turn right out of my garage, I end up in a different part of the damn city. And if I keep being like, how did I end up here? All I literally have to do is take a left out of my garage <laughs> and I'm gone to a different place. And that's actually how simple life is. So simple. So <laughs> Right? I know. <laughs> you know, my sister had a baby last week and was just overcome with this like beautiful, uncomplicated, simple love mm -hmm. that was in the room. My sister's face, the way that she looked at this baby, the way that the baby immediately wanted to be on her chest and was, you know, connected to her. And it just reminded me of the fact that we are all born from a place of love, that all these things that we 
learn, all these blocks that we put up, all these walls that we create simply need to be released. And that at our most natural state, we are love. That is how we were born. That is the place that we come from. And so we all know within us how to get back to that place. We just have to get out of our own way. We just have to get out of our own way and we have to trust and know that that is within us. And I think a lot of people forget they, it's not something that we have to learn. It is, you are mm-hmm. already love. You are already all of 100%. that. 100%. Mark, what is your message for women who are looking to create love in their life if you had to leave people with one thing? Mm. Mm, a lot living on this one. Let's see. Really get to know who you are and who you are not. You know, I think the greatest work we can do, regardless of our gender, is figuring out what shaped us, figuring out if we like that, you know, because there are lessons we learn that are really valuable. There's values that we're instilled with that are really beautiful. But I think one thing you said, you just said is really important to sort of reemphasize, which is the more you learn to stand within the truth of who you are into this God-given knowing, this you're born with, this understanding, this wholeness, and really boundaries just create space around your wholeness. You're already whole. It's just that we often give so many parts of us away. And so as you get to know who you are and you stand in the truth of who you are, you're going to shake systems, you know? And that's evidence that you're doing good work. And I think maybe that is the most important thing is to consider really, really, really getting to know exactly what you love and what you value and then living a life that resonates with that, that only lives by those things. Because at the end of the day, what allows people to sleep well and to be well and to be in a state of relaxation is knowing that you have your own back, knowing that you're in integrity with your heart, If you're out of integrity with your own heart and you don't have your own back and you can't depend on yourself, then you'll look for other people to tell you what you want and what you need. And you'll look for other people to rescue you. And I really think this journey is about learning to trust ourselves again. And I think for women especially. And as a man, I have been very privileged to have a mother who is a powerful woman and to be surrounded by really powerful women. And I don't know that there's any greater form of feedback I've ever received than a powerful woman telling me how I'm experienced by her. Even if I didn't like what I heard, Mm. even if it was five years later that I connected the dot, they always shifted something in my cellular makeup that made me think, wow, thank you. And so it's always a gift to be in that company such a beautiful time to be alive because we're watching that really occur. It's one of the most beautiful things to witness. Mm. Well, on behalf of all of the women who are listening right now, who are all incredibly powerful in their own right, I want to thank you for carving out time for being here. Where can people connect with you to hear more of your thoughts and these bits of wisdom that just seem to spill from your mouth. You can find me on Instagram. That's where most of the things happen at Create the Love. Um, You can go to my website, markgroves.tv, like television. And if you just look up my name, you'll find me in lots of places. I have YouTube. Yeah. 
just Google him. Just Google him, girls. Make sure that you do. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, mm-hmm. screenshot it. Tag Mark and Raw Beauty Talks <laughs> in it. Let him know that you want him back on the show because there's so much more that we can talk about. Let's like blow up his Instagram page with our amazing audience so that he is sure to come back. And as always, if you found that there were tips or things in here that resonated with you, pass it on to a friend. Share his wisdom. We always appreciate it so much. And as we wrap things up, remember your life is different than any other life out there. So as you listen to these episodes, keep tuning back in to see what resonates for you. Above all else, remember you are worthy and you are not alone in this incredible journey called life. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.